Listener Production. Welcome along to the first Saturday Scorecard for 2022. The Saturday Scorecards are where we take the time to not just give you a fast fun here to sport, but just to sit back and relax and talk into some of the goings-on in the sporting world. And today it is with great pleasure that I am joined on the Saturday Scorecard by a man I think I must have met in 2018. I'll get him to fact-check me on this, but he, he was a young, bright-eyed bloke who, you know, played a bit of senior football in the AFL, and he'd made his way up to Sydney to join the GWS Giants. And we sat down over a coffee, and I should have known then what he would go on to achieve because he outlined to me his plans for media domination. And he's not there yet, but he is certainly a lot closer than when he was when we first met. Uh, well on his way to becoming an absolute media superstar of the Australian and international sporting landscape, Dylan Buckley. Hey, Liam, that is beautiful words. And I um, I remember that clear as day. And I do say this in all seriousness. I don't like to pump your ties up too much. But, um, mate, you, you've been a massive mentor and, and, and had a big, really big impact on me in my um, career thus far. So I, I must thank you a lot for that. That noise was just the money dropping into your bank balance for that pump-up deal. So thank you. We've got. I, I want to talk to you about footy. Obviously, Saturday scorecard here. Yes. We're dropping a week before the AFL season starts. And I want to get into some goings-on in the AFL. But quickly, from when we first met in 2018 through to... Was it 2018 or 2019? No, it's 2018. 2018, right. So it's 2018. You and I meet, had a coffee, and you basically said to me at the time, you said, I don't know how much longer I've actually got in AFL. The Giants had taken a chance on you, brought you up from Carlton. This was your second career in the AFL. And you said, I don't know how much longer I've got in footy, but I want to plan for what's next. And you said at the time you were thinking about a podcast. Four years on, not only do you have one of the most successful podcasts in Australia – but you've also now got your own production company. Uh, can can you condense the last four years of your <laughs> off-field life into, you know, summarise it, w- what it's been like for you? Yes, I'll try and do it in 30 seconds. Um, I remember that day, clear as day, we met up at Haymarket. I, I think yep. that was what the place was called. Had a coffee just below Triple M Studios. And, um, yeah, that was a, exactly what you said. I had absolutely no idea I was. I was actually quite lost as, as a young man. I think it was a really crazy time but I was really happy that I went through that period had no idea what I wanted to do post footy um it's like four one-year deals living on the edge of not knowing you know when my next paycheck was sort of coming at the end of each year and I thought enough's enough so I need to really sort myself out and and work out what I want to do post football didn't have the uh name to be walking into a radio gig and you know I rocked up to Triple M and started answering the phones on yes. on a rush hour with MG and Liam on a Tuesday night and from there I actually met Tom Birmingham who you know is another producer of that show and he, himself, and MG always were just the biggest, um, you know, really just gave me a lot of confidence to do my own thing. So I started the podcast and, again, that was just something to give me a little bit of a, a leeway into, into into radio to be like, hey, this is what I've done. I've started a podcast. I haven't just sat on my ass. I've went and, you know, volunteered at Triple M and, and done a podcast, give me a job. Um, very quickly, not knowing that, you know, I really didn't plan this. I'm not smarter than it sounds, but, you know, the podcast industry was about to boom and didn't realise how lucky I was to sort of get into it early. And I put it down to very um, fortuitous timing and very lucky to sort of break into an area before it sort of um, boom. But, yeah, as I said earlier, it would have been a lot different if I didn't, you know, take that opportunity to sit down with with you that day and, and have that chat. And, and not again, I'm not trying to embarrass you at all, but, you know, I'd had prior to that, caught up with about three other radio stations so you weren't my first pick okay? you weren't my first pick to go and work with but you know what you were the only one who bent over um 
bent over backwards for me and really put me at the the front of um you know your mind and tried to help me with everything you did and taught me a lot about not just radio but even putting a show together and how it all works behind the scene and um it's something that i you know even to this day now that things are happening for me and and as you said i'm not anywhere i want to be but i always want to try and help people that really want to be helped and actually come and show some um initiative well, and I want to talk to you about what you got planned for 2022 and beyond because you and your mate Daniel Gorringe are just uh, within the AFL world, the the fast rising uh, property. I, I'm trying to think of the AFL player comparison at the moment. Like somebody, I think you're beyond Matty Rao. Um, you, you got Sam, more, Sam Walsh, maybe? Sam Walsh. Great comparison. Sam Walsh on the cusp of a brown low. That's where you and you and your mate Dan are. So um, we're going to talk about that a bit later on. Let's – perfect segue because I wanted yep. to talk some footy with you. We are on the cusp of the AFL season. And I sat down the other day and I tried to make a list of current AFL players who are box office, who legitimately get bums on seats regardless of state or team or past performance, still – are worth the price of admission. How many players? Just tell me off the off are on your list. Uh, I I put three. There's Thanks. only three for yes. yours. Well, I I think that there's three that, if I'm totally honest with you, there's three that I would actually go and play, uh, pay to watch go and play, and then there's you know a handful of others that I really enjoy watching when I'm playing. But there's three that came to mind where I go, you know what, I actually will pay the admission to go watch these three guys. Well, I'm, I hope I because I had six. So I hope that there is the three you've got are at least on my list. Okay. My three, and uh, very close to home, but I've got to pick my mate Toby Green. Um, I think he'll be on both of our lists. He's on my list. Um, I think he's, yeah, yeah, I think he's the best player, the most valuable player in the AFL. And um, I think that anyone, you love him or hate him, you want to watch him play footy, the way he goes about it. Um, he's so tough. And I know he's got a lot of haters, but you cannot commit, you cannot um, question his commitment to to footy and his passion and his love. And I think that you'd be lying to yourself if you say you didn't want him on your team if you don't um, support him. And I, I'm actually – I'm genuinely scared for the AFL this season. Like, I, I think that he's not, – not that he's going to do anything silly, but he's come out and I think that we're going to be shocked at him taking it to the next level. Do you like, think I, the captaincy think that, makes, him, makes him better? He's obviously sharing that with Josh Kelly and Cogs this year. Yeah, I think that it will. I think that he's a, the sort of person that he doesn't look for, he doesn't, you know, want a captaincy, um, you know, title. But, like, now that he's got it, I think that it's really going to show the world and show him how much, you know, his team and everything really rely on him, even though he knows his stuff. Like, he knows how valued he is inside it. But I think putting that there as a mantle still just does give him that extra bit of weight. And also I think that, the, you know, what sort of transpired towards the end of last year with, like, you know, the report and, and you know, wrong, rightly or wrongly so, we've, we've moved on from that and the AFL even extending the um, the report as well. I just think that, you know, he's, he's a man that doesn't complain. He's never, ever says, poor me, poor me. He gets on with it and he bites his teeth and he grits and he says, let's move on. But I know for a fact that he will be coming out um, absolutely raring to go at round five or six. And a very funny fact, by the way, uh, about this is – now, Liam, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he comes back – what game does he come back for? Oh, well, see, I can't keep tabs I because I can't remember how long the AFL okay. suspended him for. So tell me this then, Liam. He comes back on a Friday night, I'm pretty sure. I was looking at this just before we were chatting. So tell me right now – what is going on in the AFL 
when they're doing this and putting that game on a Friday night when Toby comes back. What are the, it's, 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 you're not suggesting, that. you're not suggesting, hey, that the AFL has, has looked at the return of Toby Green and thought, ooh, ratings here. <laughs> 100% they have. We could disappear down the Toby Green. In fact, maybe we should do a dedicated Toby Green podcast one day. Yeah, I think we've, I've already carried on too much already. I'll never be welcome back about no, this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Toby. Who are your other two yeah. players? Second uh, player that I love to, to genuinely go and watch, and there's a bit of a, a bit of a theme here, but I'm going to say Tom Papley. I love watching Tom Papley play. But, yeah, I absolutely love the the Swans. They might feature in a few of my predictions later on as well. But I, I think that when this bloke is up and about, Something about small forwards, you know, they went out of fashion a few years ago, but I think that the game's never been better when these players are actually firing and you really do see that bit of mongrel and um, getting under the opposition's skin. I absolutely love watching Tom Papley play. I had Papley on my fringe list. He was one of the four players I had as probably not bums on seats because I don't know if his profile is quite there yet, but he's he's within touching distance. All right, who's your third? This player, we, we have mentioned it again already on this podcast, but I can't go past Sam Walsh um, and what he's been able to do in his in his short career um, to date. And I just have nothing but admiration for this bloke. Not only is he skillful, not only does he work extremely hard, but I think there's that one thing that, especially since I've left the game and now I'm just a spectator and I love watching fierce battles, is he's one of those players that wants the ball when the game is tight. And... Mm. I know everyone wants a ball, but this guy lifts. Like when it, the game is tight, you watch him and he wants it. He wants to be the person to wheel his team over the line. Um, and look, I, I am being a little bit biased because I know I support the Giants and I support Carlton, but I think these players, um, especially, you know, Toby, Tom Papley and Sam Walsh all have that in common. They want the ball when the, when the yeah. game gets tight and I love watching those, those guys play. So for your – you will pay money to see Sam Walsh play footy? 100%. 100%. Don't tell me you've just gone to the uh, Herald Sun top 10 players and you pick them. No, well, I don't know. I, have, I, I live up in Queensland. I haven't seen the Herald Sun. <laughs> they didn't publish it in the Courier Mail. I'll give you my list. I had six blokes, as I think are bums on seat superstars of the AFL right now. And I don't have Sam Walsh there, and I think Tom Papley is capable of getting there, but I didn't have Sam Walsh even on the fringe players. Uh, I had Toby Green. I still think Patrick Dangerfield is... I watched. I actually called the Suns' trial against the Cats last night, um, and Danger is still the most. For mine, I think he's still the most explosive runner in the game. The way he breaks away from backs with the footy, and he's so dynamic. And when he takes off and kicks the ball sixty meters, and I still have Danger as as a superstar bums on seats player. Uh, Dusty Martin, and I think it's insane that you didn't have him in your list. I know he's been out injured, but we're seeing actually we see skinny Dusty this year. We get to see skinny Dusty because mm. all I've seen is reports that he's lost a heap of weight. Buddy Franklin, the bloke's about to kick his thousandth goal. He still bums on seats. Yeah. And then I had, uh, I think Petrak has put himself there. I think Track is now yep. of that ill, particularly coming off the back of a premiership. Uh, what he did in the back half of the year, I think I think he's there. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I, I, I totally agree. I think that the Ds are a really interesting one, aren't they? Like I watched them play against the Blues. Um uh, last weekend, and it was funny to see them, you know, get that little wake-up call early, and they go down to Carlton, and you know, Carlton supporters are buying Premiership. You know, they're already booking out barbecues for September, and I think it's nearly the best thing that could happen for the Ds. I know they were missing, you know, five, six, seven players from their Premiership team anyway, but it's scary to think with with Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, and and Max Gorn in that midfield, how dynamic they can be. Um, 
but it's funny, we still don't have the confidence in Melbourne that we have in, you know, the Richmonds and the Hawthorns and the Geelongs of past. There's still just that little <laughs> bit of doubt that worries. Oh, it's crazy. They were my bums on yep. seats player. The other guy I think is capable of putting himself into that bracket this year is Isaac Heaney. I think Isaac Heaney yeah. is, no, I totally agree. Is, is, is ready to – he's just signed this big new six-year deal. I reckon he's just ready to assume the, the billboard space as soon as Buddy is is done and gone. The Swans, have, he's their marquee man. Callum Mills will be the future captain of that club long term, but Isaac Heaney will be the star front and centre. So I've got Isaac on the list, and it doesn't hurt that he's probably – he'd be top three handsome, most handsome in the league. Yeah, now that I'm not there in the league anymore, I reckon he'd be, he'd be pushing into that top three, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about the season. Grand final and premier, please. Grand final, I'm going the Sydney Swans. Yeah, good. Versus Brisbane Lions. The Swans, I can see, I think, um, with the development of this young group that they've got, What what is it about the, the Lions? Because they've kind of been around the mark, and I wondered whether their window might be closing. Well, that's, that's the reason I think that it's their time to shine. And if you look at the last three years, I think it has been. Don't fact check me. I think it's the last three or two years or three years in finals. They've finished in the top four and gone out in straight sets every year. So they actually haven't won a final, uh, even though they've finished really high on the ladder and given themselves a really good position, having some home finals. And I, I even think that it's – They've nearly played the winner of the grand final the last three years in that final series. I've been knocked out. Something well, they like definitely that. lost to the um, Tigers at the Gabba in the prelim, uh, and they probably yeah. did lose to Melbourne last year as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just think they've been thereabouts, um, and I think that they've. It's getting to that time. Like I really, really love Fagan. I just, I, I don't know much about him at all, but I just, I just love the way he goes about it from an outside, and and what you hear from the players, they just love him, and I think that. Um, when, when you've got that, you, you're bound to have some success at some stage. Secondly, there's a guy called Kuma Kluggage that I'm sort of got a bit of a crush on that I just think is going to go again this year to the, the, to the next level. Um, you've got a guy called Joe Danaher who has played last year his first season of footy, which, mind you, he was kicking, you know, bags of three, four a game when it's his first year back after nearly two, three years out. And I yeah. think that he's absolutely ready to explode, can be one of the – he, take his throne back as one of the best in our forwards, um, such full forwards in the game. Um, I know Hipwood's done his ACL, but he'll be back. And those two together, incredible. Cam Rain is going to be coming back to Brisbane, who's another fantastic player I love. Um, I, just, I just love so many of their players. And I think that this is a real pivotal moment for them. If they can get some really good continuity in their game and in their style, um, I think that it could be a really, really good year. I love, I, I, since I'm now based up here in southeast Queensland, Gold Coast and Brisbane, I've, I've had three or four people already tell me, oh, you wait till you meet Fags. Wait till you meet Chris Fagan. You will just love the bloke. Joe Danaher, does he, does he care enough about football? I'm not saying that you have to be 100%. You know, you don't need to be a, a Sam Walsh, per se, to be an elite footballer. But sometimes... You can't help but think Joe Danaher, his, his mind is elsewhere and, he, and he's got other interests in his life, which is okay. But I'm just curious to know if he cares enough to get the most out of him as a footballer. Yeah, no, I think that he definitely does. I think that he loves his footy still. I think that, um, you know, I think it's been widely noted that he wanted to get out of Melbourne just because it is a little bit of a, a bubble down um, down here and it does get a bit hectic. But I know that he's extremely happy up in Brisbane. He loves living up in Brisbane. Um, he loves playing for the Lions, and that's why I'm really excited for this year to see him with a full season under his belt, um, getting some confidence back in his body because, um, 
yeah, I think he can do some really, really cool things. And I think it's 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 unfair, um, not to say that you're saying this, but it's unfair from just the criticism you might get publicly about that. Like, you're allowed to have interests outside the game. You're allowed to do this Absolutely, stuff. Yeah. And um, I think as long as you rock up on game day and you're ready to go, that's, that's all that matters. Right. Let's get back to some of these predictions. I'll stop getting distracted. Yeah. Uh, you give me – oh, sorry. Who wins that grand final, by the way? Swans, Lions? I think the Swans. Swans win the granny. Coming the, – the trophy, that'd be – I mean, I, I think they'll definitely be in the mix as well. Brownlow. Uh, are we going to go – I want to know who you want to go as well. Oh, you want my predictions as well? Uh, yeah, I've got yeah. – I've got I've got a Swans-Port grand final. A little bit of bias nice. coming in here. I think Port's window, I think if batters can stay fit, if Rosie can continue to progress, Aliyah Aliyah was arguably the recruit of the year next last year, and he'll have another year of that. I think you get another year of development into Georgiades up forward. I think Marshall comes on again. The key is that I, I really think that if Port are going to win a premiership uh, in the next five years, it needs to have Robbie Gray and Trav Boak involved. And I think they've only probably got Robbie, Trav Boak, I feel like he could play on a wing for another five years and keep racking up 30 disposals. But I feel like Robbie's one more injury away from maybe hitting that downslope of his career. So I, I would think Robbie and Trav need to be involved for the next premiership for Port. So I feel like this could be the year. Uh, and so I've got a Port-Swans grand final. I'll go with Port. I'll, I'll back them in from the get-go. I'll say Port wins it. Wow. And I also okay. think Ken Hinkley's, Ken Hinkley's one of the best coaches in the comp. Yeah, no, I can, I can, I, I really like Port too. I think they're they're a really good outfit. I agree with Aaliyah Aaliyah. Like, I just don't think that, it's funny, isn't it? When you see a third tall that's a defender or forward go to another club and, and take that key position, sometimes you worry because you think, oh, you know, in one team they were the third player. Maybe they're not going to be able to do what they did because they've got other players around them. But it's been the complete opposite for him. He's nearly gone. I'm the main man down here now and I can do whatever I want. And he's just turned into this absolute beast. And it's funny when you, you know, sometimes when coaches just give a player and say, you're our, you're our man, you're a guy, do whatever you want. They just absolutely love it. Because and uh, Jonas and Clurie got shown up in the final series in 2019 by Tom Hawkins. He just ragdolled both of them. He was just too big and too strong. Mm. And, and the, the port, Powered, um, the list managers and Ken Hinckley identified we need some more size down here because we're going to come up against these teams with these big power forwards and we don't have the players to handle it right now. So, uh, look, and, and the Swans haven't, you know, I was in Sydney at the time when they got rid of him. I thought, what are they doing? But they haven't missed a beat down back in the emergence of Tom McCartan, who I think Tom McCartan has got the capability to be a 400-game player. Like, this is a kid who yeah. was, I think he, you know, started when he was 18. He is he will own fullback, centre-half back for as long as he wants at the centre, at the Swans, and he could join that 400-game list if his body stays fit. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I absolutely love him. He's, he's so um, clean. I know they've been a big rap on him for a long time, and it's, you know, I'm just on a side point to that. I'm absolutely uh, like ecstatic that um, the Swans have given Paddy McCart another go-to, which is going to be super exciting to, to hopefully see him um, get back into the AFL this year. I feel like that's a that's a real Dill Buckley story. You, I love that you promote positive stories in the world of AFL, and I feel like that one is right in your hitting zone, Paddy McCartan. So, hey, let's let's Definitely. continue. Let's continue with uh, some predictions. Brownlow. Um, Brownlow. As much as I don't know if this team's going to be as good as what they are, and I really, really hope that they prove me wrong because I don't know why. It is that Melbourne do this to me, but I think Clayton Oliver's going to win the Brown next year. Um, I think he's one of the most improved players in the AFL over the last sort of two years. Like if you look at where his game has gone from this, you know, inside ball 
but now he's got unbelievable skills and he's so important to to the Melbourne um, midfield, especially with Max Gorn and, and Petrarca too. So I'm going to say Clayton Oliver. Like it. I don't think this the Brownlow necessarily means you're the best player in the comp anymore. I think because of the way the umpires vote on it, it's a midfielder's medal. I actually think your man Sam Walsh wins it. I think because mm. I think the umpires showed last year with the voting they are hyper aware of him out on the field and what he does, and he's going from strength to strength. I've got no doubt he comes back this year a better player than what he was last year. And yeah. I think there'll be a better club overall with Vossi in charge, win a few more games. I think Sam Walsh will go very, very close. Wooden Spoon. Can I just say, sorry, Liam, say on that uh, for one sec, just with the um, the MV, the 2022 Brownlow medal. Yes. I like the Brownlow medal. It's fantastic. I love the heritage of it and it's, you know, it's great, but... I think one thing that I really want to see happen in 2022 is the resurgence and maybe just the more respect around the AFL Players MVP Award. Um, because when you think about it, at the end of the day, the MVP Award is literally chosen by your team, by, by your um, peers, by your teammates, by your um, competitors that you go out with every weekend. And it's pretty much saying this guy is the best AFL player and we hate playing against him or we respect him the most versus the Brownlow being voted, as you said, by umpires. It, it largely is a midfielder's um, medal. And, yeah, I think that if you look at what happened last year with, with Wines winning, um, you know, the Brownlow, that was fantastic, easily a really good player. But was he the best player in the AFL that year? You know, I probably would have gone with a few others ahead of him if I was picking my team. I thought Bont was um, the best player in the comp last year. Exactly. So I think that it's different to, to that. I really like the MVP. Just throw that yeah, in there. No, no, and I agree. And, and I, the fact that, A, we ask these AFL players to essentially run around at the same athletic capabilities of the AFL players themselves, make decisions with split-second margins, and then have them placed under the greatest microscope called the media off the back of their performance every week. It's, it's crazy the amount of pressure that these umpires exist under and the fact that they're not full-time professionals at their job and then we ask them to go into the rooms after four quarters of football and and decide who the best player on the field was at the time it is i again i love the heritage of the medal but it is insane that the highest individual accolade in the game is decided in that manner and i agree with you i think the players award and i'm sure i don't know how the current players feel i'm sure they'd all love a brownlow but i would imagine that if you win that player's MVP award, that means that, you know, really gives you a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. Definitely. And that's not, a, that's not a dig at the umpires, as exactly you said then, you know, I feel the exact same. Is It's more just the fact that they are running around. They probably don't even want the bloody um, the job of doing it anyway. Um, I, I reckon if you yeah, ask the umpires, they'd say, no, we'd prefer not to do it. Literally. Literally. Right, let's continue. Predictions. Wooden spoon. Wooden spoon. It, look, do you want a, an easy option or should I give you something out of the blue? Because I don't think tipping Gold Coast or Kangaroos is is fair. Um, I want those two teams to go really well this year. Great. So who am I going to go? You know I what? Think... If, you, if you don't want to declare someone to finish last, give me a slider. Give me someone you think will slide down the ladder from where they were last year. Yeah, okay. Okay. You go first and let me have a little think. Uh, I, I fear for St Kilda. 
I, I worry for yeah. St Kilda this season. I, I think some of their list management decisions have left them in a situation where they've got a lot of money in a blokes that in blokes that have had some injury dramas, no fault of their own, uh, and and they're just lacking. Um, they're lacking goal kickers. Yeah. Um, now it doesn't help that last year they were so up and down. And St Kilda's a really it's a funny team that. At the end of the day, they're, they're a Victorian team. They've got a lot of supporters, but they don't probably get the um, the media attention that a lot of the other clubs do in, in Victoria. So it's going to be a hard one for them. Like you said, they've got a lot of players. They've got Hanabry at the club now. They've got Brad Hill. Um, they went and got Zach Jones as well from Sydney. So they have like done a fair bit of recruiting to get some good players in, but it is the time for them to really step up and, and do something. You're right. Um, for me... Slides this year. Now, I don't know really if – this has probably been my most disappointing team over the last two seasons. I think I've literally had them to win the flag the last two years and it's been really disappointing what they've done. And they'll be more disappointed in themselves than I am than in them, and that's for sure. But West Coast, I think that, um, you know, their list and where they should have been the last couple of seasons, I know they've had some terrible injuries and things haven't fallen their way, but so has – a lot of clubs. A lot of clubs have been in that position in the hubs and haven't enjoyed it. And their fans, I don't think, would be too happy on on their output on the last two seasons. And unfortunately, I don't think it gets um, much better for them. I'm going to do one better as well, just on the back of that. You should never invite me on this podcast because I, I don't do short-form podcasts. I do long, in-depth discussions. <laughs> one team that's going to climb up the ladder this year, who I okay. think will finish in the top four, that no one, um, I don't feel anyone has really thought about too much, is Hawthorne. Um, I'm really excited for the Hawks. Top I think that their four. young brigade is massive. Like I reckon they will be a really, really strong team. Um, and they've got some some really good young players that are coming in uh, to that lineup. So I'm excited for them. Wow. In terms of breakthrough players, um, one jumping on the Sydney bandwagon, as I said, if they want if they're gonna win the grand final, they're gonna need some young players to take the game even further to the next level and really go. And I absolutely am in love with a young player called Errol Goulden. Oh. Um, yeah, this this kid is just Sydney born, Sydney raised, loves, you know, he bleeds red. Um, and I think that he's going to really, really um, take his game to the next level this year, uh, even though, you know, he already had an incredible first year mm. um, at the Swans. Um, being a Carlton man as well, close to my heart, I'll, I'll be honest, I was really sceptical on the Chera trade. I, I didn't think it was what we needed. Um, I, I think that he's, you know, I thought he was a good player at Fremantle, but I just thought, you know, is this exactly what the Blues need? But I've been keeping an eye on him um, in the first, you know, couple of practice matches mm. for the Blues. And I know they're practice matches. I'm not getting too excited. But, <laughs> yeah, I think that he he, he really does complement that midfield well. And we saw on the weekend when they played Melbourne um, what the mids were able to do. And they, they dominated a premiership. Um, midfield with with Chera and Cripps and the like. So really excited for him. And another one, again, this isn't breaking any records, um, breaking any news here, but Jason Horn francis I think, will be a very similar mould to Sam Walsh. I think he'll have the same impact at North that Sam Walsh has had at Carlton. From all reports, he's just as switched on. He's just that type of young, you know, kid that's walked in and already looks like a 300-game player, the way he sort of carries himself around the club. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, really excited for him. And I, I am excited. I, I've been really harsh on North Melbourne the last couple of years um, myself too, you know, 
and I'm, I'm sure everyone has been, but I really hope that they can turn some things around this year. Well, I mean, you look at Curtis Taylor, Jai Simpkin, they've got some really nice pieces. Um, Davies Uniac, they've got some really, really nice pieces. And, um, I mean, yeah, you, you hope that they start to climb the ladder. It's good for the competition to have the Roos at least participating in finals. Let me give you a couple of names, and there's there's all the obvious ones that people will tell you. Um, Noah Anderson. Again, I watched him yep. play in the trial game the other night, and I know he's a number two draft pick, so we know all about the quality and the talent. He looks fitter. Uh, his his ball-finding ability seems to have gone to another level. Still some questions about it, some of his decision-making the other night, but I think you'll see Noah Anderson, he'll be, if he doesn't win it, he'll be top three in the Suns' BNF. Now I hope the Suns get some wins under their belt, but he is absolutely one to keep an eye out for this year. And the other one I'll give you, with all the talent, that the Sydney Swans possess. And I feel like we're leaning quite swanish on this podcast, but it's our opinion. Errol Gordon, Chad Warner, who's our other who's Logan McDonald. Logan McDonald, who has barely been spoken about. And who's um I'm forgetting his I'm blanking his name, the guy who went in the same draft as Gordon. Um left uh, uh blonde hair. Yes. Uh it'll come to me. Anyway, him. The one that Justin McInerney. Now, people would have seen a yeah. little bit of him over the last two seasons. He's 21 years of age. He's playing off halfback. You'll probably see him go through maybe wing a little bit of on ball. But he breaks lines with his speed. He kicks long. He's almost like that Nick Malcheski type to compare him to a Swans player. But he's got some real you-know-what in him too. He's He's got some genuine fire. He's, he's not overly bulked or, 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 you know, he hasn't been pushing heavy weights around. But... There is a there is a ferocity that he plays his footy with, and again, you talk about if the Swans are going to go deep, which we both think they will, he will be really really valuable to this Swanies outfit. Yep, I agree. Love him. Good Northern Knights boy as well. He's, is he? Uh, he's from my neck of the woods, so um, big shout out to him. Uh, right. Let's let's go away from the season proper. We w- there'll be plenty of time to talk and look about footy um, as the season goes on. I want to get this is where I think your expertise. You're perfectly positioned. In fact, you're probably the expert on this. Give me a player <laughs> currently playing who can transition into the media post career or during career. You think right now? Okay. Well, I think that's a really yeah. It's an interesting question. I think that. Look, the, you've got your typical and, and nothing against this. You've got your typical players that can. Um, you know, 300 gamers and Brownlow medalists that can easily transition out of AFL and, and start doing, the, you know, expert commentary because... We know Patrick Dangerfield is destined for the couch on Channel 7. We know. Exactly. Yeah. So those those players, that's, you know, and that's um, that's awesome. Those players will do really well with, with what they're doing and I'm sure they have some um, some great insights to give. In terms of someone um, else, I'm really excited to see what they do next is uh, another, you know, big name player, but someone that's a little bit different is Mitch Robinson. Um, you know, if he's got one year, two years left into the game, he's, he's just different. He loves pushing the boundaries. I love when he, he gives his opinion. I think that he's, you know, he's changing the way AFL players um, can, you know, sort of interact in the media. Um, have I inspired him? Yes, for sure I have. <laughs> but uh, he's, still, he's still done his thing and he's doing some great stuff. But, um, yeah, he's got some awesome vlogs on his YouTube. He does some um, – he makes big calls – and he's got his podcast as well, which I love that new age media that people are doing. He's very interactive with fans on social media as well. So, um, yeah, really excited to see what he does post-footy, if that's next year or the year after. That's he is, he is a player that's remarkable to think that after he left Carlton, 
that he would go on to have the career he has had. It's been because he was sort of a lot of people thought, "Ah, oh, journeyman, you'll get a contract up with the Lions, and that might be the last we see of you." But he has pl- he's been a fantastic role player on the field. And you talk about that media, that fan base, that pop, you know, servicing the people that like your content. Mitch Robinson is a perfect example for anybody who's interested in the space of how you build a fan base and then service the fan base and and do it as yourself and not following a mold and it's it's the Dylan Buckley mold let's be honest but it's it, Mitch is is fantastic and I yeah, I couldn't agree more I think he is a super super media talent I've had a quick google Braden Campbell is the Swans player we were thinking of that we couldn't name previously yes, that's him. Um, I like it Mitch Robinson right now let's discuss a man who I think alongside yourself is the most interesting mainstream media uh, personality right now and he's a mate of yours, so I want to get your insight on it. Tony Armstrong. Now, Tony is is a journeyman footballer. You know, he did some time at the Swans. He did some time in Adelaide. He did some time at Collingwood. So he has traversed the the three main footy states without Western Australia in that. But and now he he became the first ever Indigenous. Uh, play-by-play commentator on FM radio. I think it was about 2019 he did that with Triple M. And I had a chat with him at the time and we had a chat with him on the show I was doing at the time and it was fantastic and it was, he had been calling play-by-play with NIRS and Triple M took the opportunity to get him involved and he and he was working on his calling and I remember having a conversation with him about when he made the switch to ABC where he is now and doing sport on, on the breakfast news and he was really excited about it and he was excited about the opportunity to get the flying hours up and continue to improve as a media performer. And I think what we've seen of him on the ABC News and, and everywhere else that he's been is that he's got a fantastic ability to float between serious Indigenous issues and speak really eloquently on them, which we've seen him do, and then go into just lovely, accessible, friendly Tony Armstrong, you know, from the, the famous Tim Payne bulging disc hiccup that he had and handled it just so wonderfully. I'm. Where do you think Tony Armstrong goes from here? Uh, the sky's the limit for Tony. I, I don't want to put any on any ceiling on him because, um, yeah, he's an incredible person. And I think the one thing even prior to that that, that people might not know is Tony's he's, he's a hustler. Like, he's an absolute hustler. Like, he left the game um, a little bit like myself, probably didn't get out of his career what he wanted to, but he bounced around for a while and did some work at the AFL Players Association in in some various roles and, and really had to work hard to get to where he is now. Like, he has not been given anything like he's I'm really inspired by how he's been able to to transition out of AFL and it hasn't been easy for um for him and it wasn't for me but he really helped me um and I I hope that we helped each other on that journey but yeah he's just absolutely taken things to the next level and um yeah I'm I'm just in a lot of admiration of what he's been able to do not just in in football but I think um I think all the other stuff he's doing is so much more amazing. It was funny. We do a, a footy podcast where I get the boys in at the start of the year and just, you know, a little bit like this, give our recommendations and have a bit of fun. And and I messaged Tony about it. He said, mate, keen as, um, got the project on though that night. So <laughs> I'll have to do it other time. I was like, okay, well, um, that's probably a little bit more important than, than coming on my podcast than having to go on the project. But yeah, it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing, not just in, in footy, as I said, but the, the incredible things that he's um, advocating for and, and being a real leader in. Um, yeah, it's, you just sit back and, and admire it. And um, the one exciting thing about Tony, and I don't know if I can say too much about it, but I don't even think we'll see him in footy for much longer. He's just going off on to doing 
so many cooler things that um, are not even related to, to AFL anymore. And, and that's what I love it. He, if he has a passion in something, he chases it. And, um, yeah, don't yeah, – maybe expect to see him on the big screen sometime soon. I think we can all say that he'll be he'll be very, uh, very famous. We could sit here and, and I'd look at another time I'd love to discuss your thoughts on Nathan Buckley <laughs> entering into the media, going from coaching, because I actually think he's a better media performer than he is a coach, and that's not knocking him as a coach. I just think he's a – he is an elite media performer. I know you were wrapping up, but I do want to quickly say on yesterday, the SCN clips have been hilarious uh, for what he's been um, saying because I think Kane uh, Corn sort of teed him up yesterday and said, oh, you know, Craig McRae said that they're changing their game style this year and they're doing something a little bit different and, and that's how it's working. And then Nathan Buckley's just come back and just – most people would think that he was being genuine, but I think there was 10% of there would realise exactly what he was saying. I think he said something like, oh, that's fantastic, you know, that McRae's doing this, you know, you know, he's he's taken his game style from Richmond and, and he's doing exactly what Richmond are doing and that's great. You know, we used to do this. Yes, we didn't do it that well, but he's doing it like this. And it was just pretty much like a very nice compliment, but also a backhanded compliment um, saying that he's pretty much just taken Richmond's game plan two years later and given it to the Pies. But it was it was awesome. I loved it. He's, Bucks is aligned with Fox footy, isn't he? He's he's doing some stuff with. Yeah, he's, I don't he's, think he's on board with seven. He's doing a bit. I I think he'll become like in terms of expert analysis. I think he's the next Gary Lyon. I think, and I think Gary's one of the best yeah. expert analysis. I actually think I love Channel 7's decision to put Daisy Pierce into a bigger permanent role as part of their Friday call as well. But I think Gary Lyon is right up there, and I think Nathan Buckley will ascend those ranks pretty quick as far as football um, analysts go. Finishing off deal, and again, I could sit here and talk footy with you all night. I want to know what's on the cards for for Dill Buckley and Dill and Friends and the list cloggers and all the other uh, the plans you've got for the year ahead. Wow, um, heaps! Just want to keep doing as much as we can. Want to get as much content out there as possible. We've launched a production company now, as we said to earlier, called Producey, mm. which um, you know all the podcasts sit under that now, and, and we just want to keep uh, keep creating new shows, new shows that um, our audience wants to listen to around sport and mental health and we want to get things like, uh, you know, NFL shows, NBA shows, cricket shows, soccer shows, um, anything that anyone would be interested in that's in our demographic um, we want to create content for. And, um, yeah, we're in a really exciting time in a, in a real world, like a, like we're saying, that, you know, people now are just loving consuming digital content and, um, yeah, I'm just really blessed to, to be a part of it. So um, really excited for, for 2022 and whatever's next. Dill Buckley, host of Dill and Friends, the list cloggers. Uh, if you love your AFL, you you probably you don't need me to introduce you to Dill. But if you if even if you don't love your AFL, I would strongly urge you to go and have a listen to Dill. The interviews that he does with people on Dill and Friends is unique. It's not like any other interviews that are being done in the Australian media space. It's worth a listen for that alone. And then if you're, if you're dancing around the edges of some AFL media, go and have a listen to the list cloggers and the content that these guys are producing because it's a hell of a lot of fun. Hey, Dill, love catching up with you, mate, and I look forward to being able to do it in person at some point soon. Thank you for coming on the Saturday Scorecard. Thank you, mate. Um, I've been wanting to get on for a long time. Always a pleasure to um, converse with you, and as we said, we could have could have done this for a few more hours. Listener.